0: Today's episode of Bootstrapped is a little bit different. First, it's a solo episode, so you're only going to hear my voice. Second, it's a recording of a talk I recently gave at Barcelona's ESIC Business and Marketing School. I was invited to speak to students and provide them with a real example of a company that works with intangibles as products. Well, software is my business and software is an intangible. I told them the history of how I started my company and some lessons I learned along the way and I figured that perhaps you would also be interested to hear the history of how I got started. So here it is. I'm Steve McLeod and this is Bootstrapped. It's a podcast for people running bootstrapped software companies or wanting to run one. I run two bootstrapped software products, Feature Upvote, which lets your customers vote on ideas to improve your product, and Sabre Feedback, which offers a feedback widget you can add to your website. Follow along as I learn from talking to other bootstrappers and experts, and just maybe you'll learn something too. My business started in 2008. Now back in 2008, poker, the card game, Texas Hold'em was huge. It's hard to believe now, but at that time, Almost everyone seemed to be talking about poker, watching poker, or playing poker. Celebrities were playing poker on television. Lady Gaga even had a hit song called poker Face. And everyone seemed to know someone who had dropped out of university to earn good money playing online poker, or so they claimed. And in the middle of that poker mania is where I started my business. I'll get back to that story in a minute. First, a couple of things about me. I live here in Barcelona, but as you can tell from my accent, I come from somewhere else. That's New Zealand, if you're curious. Before I started my business, I was working as a self-employed IT consultant in Germany. The pay was good, the conditions were great, but I did not enjoy the work. Actually, I strongly disliked my work because it's not what I wanted to be doing. What I wanted to do, my ambition, my dream even, was to run my own business selling software that I had created myself. And in 2008, that's exactly what I did. And I did it almost by accident. It's now 2020, and I've been running this successful software business for 12 years. It's a small company, tiny even. We're just five people, all working part time. And the company is tiny by design. I don't want it to get much bigger because I enjoy the lifestyle that running a tiny company gives me. I work when I want. I don't work when I don't want. I travel a lot. I spend a lot of time with my family and on my hobbies. And best of all, there isn't much stress. I've never taken investment. I'm a bootstrapper, which means that I started the company using only my own savings and time. Not taking investment has given me freedom, freedom to do things the way I want to do them, freedom to work only when I want to, and freedom to truly feel like I am my own boss. Okay, enough about my background. Let's go back to the story of how I created my business. I told you that poker was huge in 2008. I got caught up in this poker mania. My colleagues at lunch every day kept talking about how they were playing and they were winning or losing. And eventually infected me and I tried playing online poker for a few weeks. I quickly learned that I'm actually not very good at poker and I kept losing, but I wanted to play better if only so I could join in those bragging sessions at lunch with my colleagues. Now I'm a coder and coders think every problem can be solved with software because I'm a coder. I tried to solve my problem with software. So I wrote an app a very simple desktop app that ran only on my Mac, just for me. And this app analyzed my playing history, looking for mathematical mistakes I was making so I could fix them. It also analyzed the playing history of my opponents, looking for those same mathematical mistakes so I could exploit them. And it worked. It showed me that I was making some basic mistakes that I needed to fix, which wasn't bad for two weeks work, which is what I'd put into it at that stage. It didn't make me into a great poker player, but it did help me improve. I lost less and sometimes I even won. Now, if you're a poker player, you probably want to know what things it helped me improve. It told me to be tighter, pre-flop. It told me to be more aggressive, both pre-flop and post-flop. And it told me to have more positional awareness. For the rest of you, it's enough to know just that it helped me improve at poker. So at the time I had this friend, this half German, half Swedish guy who was a poker freak. He was almost always playing poker or talking about poker. So I contacted him, asked him if he wanted to take a break from playing poker for an hour and join me for a coffee. He did, and I showed him my app, and I still remember his response. Steve, he said, you have to make this into a product and sell it. Secretly, I think that's what I wanted to hear, and now I had this, this reason this motivation to maybe actually achieve that dream I had of running my own business, selling software I had created. So I decided to give it a go. Now I didn't want to spend too much money or time on this in case it was a bad idea. So I committed to spend exactly one month, just 30 days making the app ready for market. I chose a name, I paid someone to make a logo, I made a website, I signed up for a payment processor and launched. And what happened next? Nothing nothing happened. Nobody downloaded my app. Nobody bought my app. Nothing happened at all. You see, I had made the classic mistake made by coders and other makers. We think a good product sells itself. Build it and they will come, we want to believe. And we are shocked, totally, utterly shocked when we learn that every good product needs good marketing. Now, I knew nothing about marketing. I had studied computer science and mathematics, and this does not prepare you for understanding the world of business or marketing in particular. I didn't know I was supposed to do market analysis. I didn't know I was supposed to do customer research. I think I thought all I had to do was make a good product and customers would find me. I was wrong. And if I'm honest, it actually wasn't a good product. I thought it was at the time. But when I look back at that very first version, it was half a product. It was ugly because not only did I have no marketing skills, I had no design skills. It didn't do very much. If I wanted this product to sell, I had to learn marketing and I had to learn quickly. I had to find answers to basic questions like, was there even demand for this product? How would I find customers? What was my selling proposition? So after some quick learning, this is the marketing strategy I came up with. It had three parts. First, Find out where my potential customers were and join them and learn from them. Second, use discounts to convince my potential customers to purchase, which by the way, for the record, is not a very good strategy, but I used it and I'll tell you about it soon. And third, get every piece of feedback I could about anybody showing early interest in my product, use it to make the product better, and then feed that back into part one of this marketing strategy. So let me go into those three parts in detail. For part one of my marketing strategy, I went to where the poker players were. First, I tried playing some live poker tournaments at the nearest casino in Wiesbaden in Germany, where I was still living. I found that the people at those tournaments actually didn't care about software. And it kind of figures in hindsight. I mean, they were playing real-life poker. They didn't need a tool that was for online poker. Then I found that there were enormous online poker communities with tens of thousands of people active in them. And I started participating. And this was a better match You see, in those communities, people were already discussing frequently about tools they use, software products they use to improve their game. I discovered they were already competing products. And fortuitously, it turned out that none of those other products were on Mac. So here I had my unique selling angle. My product was the one for Mac. And even though my product didn't do much at the time, it at least existed, unlike these other products, which were Windows only. So I would tell my story on those forums, how I was working alone with a brand new product and how I was looking for serious poker players to try it out. This worked well and I actually got my first downloads. It also showed me there was a real demand for the type of product I had created. So I got my first downloads, but a download is not a sale. And that brings me to part two of my marketing strategy, discounts, lots of discounts. I offered a 50% discount on the normal price to just about anyone I could. That's five zero percent See, my theory was that people love discounts and will often buy something just because they love the feeling they got a bargain. A person might not buy my product just for $25, but if it's normally $50 but $25 today only or this month only, then perhaps they'll get out their credit card. Now, I didn't mention these discounts on my own site, but I did on the online poker communities. I would write to anyone showing interest that they could have a discount code I believe that those discounts also made my first customers more forgiving that my app was still very basic and unpolished. And if I'm honest with myself, partly I didn't believe it was worth the price. This is another classic problem about coders. We undervalue ourselves and offering discounts made me feel like actually I could sell it. Finally, offering discounts gave me an excuse to establish personal contact with people testing out my app. So, how could I afford such discounts? Because it's software. For a non tangible product like software, the marginal cost of every sale is tiny. It's not zero, but it's close enough to zero that you can act like it is. Even with a massive discount, I still made a profit. Now, in the long run, I didn't want to be selling always at a discount because that would hurt my potential income. But in the short term, it did help me get the first customers. So, on the topic of discounts, I have to say I actually stopped this strategy after a couple of months. You see, I Notice that people were starting to find my product and download it and buy it without any interaction with me and without being offered discounts. And that gave me some self-belief that I actually had a product that was worth what I was charging. And now part three of my marketing strategy, feedback. I made it so easy for people to give me feedback. I asked for it to make it clear I was welcoming it. I wrote anywhere I could that I wanted feedback and I replied personally to every feedback email I got Not just thanks for your feedback, we'll consider it. I really wrote prodding for more detail and uh, trying to get more information. You know, the personal touch from the founder, it works. So here's a trick I did in those early days. If I received an email and they asked for a specific improvement, let's just call it X. They wanted me to add X to the software. If that was already in my plans for the next few weeks or months, I would stop everything I was doing and add it straight away. Now I don't mean I would do it tomorrow or the next week. I would stop reading that email before answering it. I would go and add that feature to the software. If it was practical, I would release a new version, make it available for download. Then I would go back to the email and answer it just a few hours after receiving it. And I'd write something like, thanks for the suggestion. I thought, think it was a really good idea. So I've already added it to the software. You can download it now and you'll have that feature. This blew people's minds. It created awesome word of mouth referrals and it even got people going back to those online poker communities and on their own initiative, telling people about my product. Now the best conversations promoting your product are the ones you don't need to be part of. So this strategy wasn't sustainable, but for the first six months or a year, it worked well for building up a loyal group of customers who would tell their friends about me and my product. So this is another great advantage of digital products and non-tangible products in general. You can change it. You can change it often and you can change it easily. If you have an efficient system for publishing changes, you can improve it every day and customers get those changes immediately. I discovered that customers loved this. The idea that they buy something and in a week or in a month, or in six months' time, the product they bought is so much better when they bought it and they got all the improvements for free? Unbeatable. And as I did, you can even launch an unfinished product, a prototype, and then use feedback to find out the most important things that it's missing. So that was my three-part strategy. And did it work? Well, it did. It did pretty well for somebody who actually didn't know much about marketing. In the first month, I had no sales, but I did get some downloads and, importantly, some feedback. In the second month, I had three paying customers. The third month, 10 sales and then 30 sales. Sales kept going up and a year later, I quit my day job altogether so I could work full time on my app. By the way, the first sale was one of the most awesome experiences I've ever had. A stranger on the internet had given me money for something I created. A stranger on the internet had given me money for something I created. I couldn't believe I had achieved this. And even though the first sale was only for $25, I was ecstatic. I have to admit, I was literally jumping up and down with excitement in the room I was in at the time, alone, thankfully. Something else I should mention. If I've made all this sound easy, it wasn't. I worked hard and I had a lot of self-doubt about whether the product would ever be successful enough to justify the lost weekends and evenings. You see, I was doing all this in weekends and evenings at first. It was hard work. For a whole year, I did not have much of a social life. It was a challenging year. I didn't know whether this was time I had wasted. So when I was able to quit my day job and then spend my weekdays working on my product, I got my weekends and evenings back. And that was the second best moment after the first sale. So this was all a long time ago and I no longer owned the product. I lost interest in poker. I got terribly bored working on the same product for so many years And so I sold the product to someone else, a company that has other products in the space. And that's the end of part one. Now for part two. Today, I have a different product, also a software product. And I want to tell you about this one because I did things differently this time. So this new product is a subscription-based web app, what the industry calls software as a service, or S-A-A-S, or SAS. It's less interesting to you maybe, but it's more profitable. And it came about because of my experience with the poker app. This product, which is called Feature Upvote, helps product owners deal with the flood of customer feedback that I found myself receiving. With the help of the small team I had built up, I created this software when I still had the poker app and I created it to solve a painful problem in my business. The problem was this. My strategy of encouraging feedback was working too well. I was receiving more feedback than I could cope with. I was drowning in customer feedback and I didn't have a good way to manage it. It was stressful for me, And frustrating for my customers because they would make suggestions and never learn what was happening with them. I just didn't have the time to add all the things people asked for anymore. So the product I have today helps product owners solve this problem by making your future plans public and letting customers vote on what you should do next. Things were different with this product and that's because I knew more about marketing. Now I'm still no expert, but I knew there were some things I needed to do if I was going to get customers. Things such as market analysis, customer research, and a marketing plan. So what did I do differently the second time around? I'm going to tell you about three things specifically. First, I developed a clear vision of where I saw the app in two or three years. Instead of making ad hoc decisions every day about where I was headed, I thought deeply about it in advance and I decided on a vision at the very beginning, where I wanted to see it in two or three years. I don't mean the specifics about exactly what features it has, but the general type of customer, the type of product, the type of business, the style. Second, I talked to potential customers before creating the product. First, I identified my ideal customer. Then I found people who were similar to ideal customer, preferably physically, but if not, somebody I could communicate with over email. And then I would meet up where possible and I would ask them their thoughts about what I was planning. I would ask them if they saw any value in it, what they would want in such a product and what reasons they'd see for not using it. These conversations were so helpful. They told me about concerns people had that would stop them using the product, that would stop them from buying the product and they told me about essential features that it needed to do if anybody was to use it. A good percentage of all people I talked to seemed interested in the product and saw value in it. That was all before I had written much code at all. So the third thing I did differently the second time around, I developed a marketing plan before launching. By doing some research, I learned that there was a proven way to market this type of product, a subscription web app aimed at businesses. And that is content marketing and search engine optimization or SEO. Now there's other channels that people use, but these are the two proven ones that company after company finds actually works for them. So in other words, my marketing plan was to encourage Google to send me customers So I put this plan into action even before launching the software. In fact, six months before launching, I had already created a landing page, a basic website just telling people that the product was coming and what it did and a place where I could hook in content as I wrote it. I started with the marketing and then I proceeded to development. So those are three things I did differently the second time around. I had a vision, I did customer research, and I put together a marketing plan. They all lacked a lot of detail. I'm not a detail-oriented person, but at least I had something. Question, did this more thoughtful approach work? Well, it did. It was enough to get me my first customers and it gave me the profitable, low-stress business that I have today. Before I run out of time, let me summarize quickly what I've learned about creating and selling a non-tangible product. Just four points. First, the marginal cost of a non-tangible product is close to zero. And that opens up sales and marketing techniques that are not available to physical products. Second, Non-tangible products are malleable. You can change them as often as you want and that gives you flexibility in your marketing strategy. Third, a non-tangible product still needs the same discipline as a physical product. You still need to define your target market and you still need to do market research. Fourth and finally, you can start a non-tangible product without investment. Because there's no ongoing manufacturing costs, anyone can start a non-tangible product. There's still a lot of hard work to do, but in the short term at least, you can replace money with time. The only thing you need to get started is determination. Even each of you could start creating a non-tangible product today. And that's it. Thank you. That concludes this episode of Bootstrapped. You can discuss this episode and other bootstrapping topics on our forums at discuss.bootstrapped.fm.